Welcome aboard, Giants fans, to episode 22 of our New York Giants podcast right here on NJ.com. This is Talk is Cheap, and we're coming at you. This is a big week. This is week one of the NFL season. We've been doing this all the way back since April. It's time to get this season started. The 2015 New York Giants are here, and we'll be with you every week throughout this season. I'm Joe. We have Jordan. We have James. You can follow us on Twitter, at Joe Gilio Sports, at James Cratch. And at Jordan, R-A-A-N-A-N, that's how you get involved with the show. Follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, download it, the whole thing. Be here every week. Guys, happy to be here. Uh, James, Jordan, the season is upon us. We'll start Let's with Jordan go. here. You ready to go, man? Let's go. Enough of this uh, preseason stuff. It's all yes. awful football, to be honest with you. Real football is here. That's right. The real football is here, and we're excited to talk about this. This will be our season preview podcast uh, we'll talk about the yes. team. Let's do this. Let's get into it and, and talk about uh, everything surrounding the 2015 New York Giants. So we'll start with this, and then we'll kind of get into the different aspects of this 2015 team. We'll start with Jordan on this one. Give me your overall feeling for this team. I mean, you watched them from OTAs, the draft, everything you've seen this. I mean, you were covering them last year as well, all the way through training camp, the preseason. Your feeling on the 2015 Giants, Jordan, as we head into this season Sunday night in Dallas. Well, they have some question marks for sure. There, there's a lot of spots where you look at this team and you say, if this goes well, you know, this, we need this to go well, we need this to go well, and that's pretty much on both sides of the ball. So for me, I mean, I, there's such a wide range for this team. I mean, I, I could see anywhere from four to ten wins, and n none of those would surprise me. Like, really, and, and it's hard to narrow it down at this point, even given the roster that's going to be on the field week one. So to me, it's that there's such a wide range and so many ifs with this team, but there is the potential to be good because they have Eli Manning as their quarterback and Odell Beckham as their star wide receiver, and both of them are in their second years in this new offense, and there's potential there, a lot of potential to be a very, very good offense. James, how about you? What's your overall feeling? You've been around the team now for a month covering them here for NJ.com. You're feeling 2015 Giants. When you watch this football team, what are you thinking? I think they are a team that you can find pretty much whatever you want to think about them. You, you can find some sort of evidence to support your belief. I mean, if, if you think they're not going to be a very good team, you can point to the uncertainty at safety, the issues on the defensive line, the issues on the offensive line. Um, if you want to think, hey, this could be one of those typical giant teams that overachieves and is a lot, lot better than they, we thought they would be. You can point to the fact they could be so dominant on offense. You could look to the fact that, you know, Steve Spagnola, you know, nostalgia has kind of been a theme since he took over. Um, and if you just think they're going to be one of those, you know, middle-of-the-road teams, you know, obviously I, I think you add to some of their parts and they kind of look like that. Consider me in that group, by the way. Kind of the uh, beauty in the eye of the beholder, or I guess ugliness in the eye of the beholder uh, with the 2015 Giants. So, Jordan, you mentioned a couple minutes ago that if things go well, it, you know, they could be a pretty good team. So, play the scenario out then. The 2015 Giants surprise some people and make a run to make a, a postseason berth, to get into the postseason. What has to happen? The Giants make the playoffs if? The offensive line comes together. They're able to scheme around a little bit, run the ball better, uh, scheme around the passing game and their deficiencies is, you know, a pass-blocking offensive line. They get Victor Cruz back. They have Cruz, Beckham, and Randall, and Larry Donnell, and Shane Vereen. Should have a very good passing attack. You can work around that offensive line at that point. 
But Victor Cruz is huge there. You need him back. And you need him back at, at a high level. And right now, that's, you know, doesn't seem like such a, a the near future. So that, that's a big question mark. But you get him back. You get that offensive line just to be average. And same with the defense. Look, 29th in the league last year. Get the defense to respectability. Get them just to play more unified back in the middle of the pack. Sort of like uh, the Dallas Cowboys were last year. They won 12 games with a very mediocre statistically defense. And they did it because their offense kind of carried their defense. So if the Giants could do that, and special teams has to be better. I mean, they invested so much in special teams. If their special teams aren't just average, I mean, there's no one to look to besides Tom Quinn at the special teams coordinator at that point because these final cuts that they made this week, you could see – there is such a heavy concentration on these special teams. They traded for a new punter. They signed Dwayne Harris in the offseason. They signed Jonathan Casillas in the offseason. These are guys that are almost you know, special team-specific players. And then they kept Nikita Whitlock at fullback. They kept Unger at linebacker. All these moves had a special team slant to them, so that is a big key as well. I mean, Jordan, they, they cut Stevie Brown yesterday in large part because Craig Dahl's a standout special Definitely. Team. Yeah, big reason, big reason to that. It was that was a emphasis of this summer and offseason, no doubt. So it feels like the Giants, you know, with the way you're talking about the special teams here, they they're just trying to find a little edge there because they haven't had that in so long. So when you look at this team, James, and you kind of project forward into the year, I mean, do you think if they have that edge on special teams? I mean, the NFL always seems to be every game is a bounce here, a bounce there, but. Do the Giants' special teams, if they're good, do you think that's enough to maybe change the outlook of this team from, I don't know, a 7-9 and nine type of team to a 9-7-ish and seven -ish team that could be on the verge of maybe being in it in, in December? I think so. I mean, look, I, I think special teams are kind of the forgotten equation. And, and you know, if I think if you look at this Giants team, I think that whether, whatever their record ends up being, I think they're going to be a team that's competitive more often than not in games. And when you're playing games on the margins that are decided by a touchdown or less, special teams plays a big role. You know, I think it, it just, in some ways, their special teams could be more effective than their defense, in a, in a way. It could be their best defense. Well, they need their defense to be decent, at least, though, because last year their defense stunk, and they weren't competitive in a lot of games because they really just couldn't stop certain teams. Yeah. And they really just had no chance. I mean, you go, go down the list. I mean, there was, there was a, a bunch of those games. The Colts, uh, the Eagles, uh, Seattle, like, they just weren't going to get a stop in their offense. Like, if they didn't score, you know, every possession, they just weren't even going to be in the contest, and that's sort of what happened. They just got wore down because they were so short, so thin, and so disorganized. Yeah, they didn't have enough there, and they really basically were relying in the second half of that season on you know Odell Beckham Jr. to make a play to keep him in the game. So when you look at when you kind of look ahead to the season and look at how this team is constructed, I'm going to ask you guys a question, but I'm going to throw a little caveat on it. So I'm going to I'm going to give you a little change up because I don't want you to give the easy answer. So the question I want to ask you is, who is the most indispensable player for this 2015 team? The one guy they can't lose. And the caveat I'll throw on at Jordan is. You can't pick the quarterback because that's obvious. And for this team, you can't pick Odell Beckham Jr. either because that's too obvious. They're the, I mean, Beckham might be the best receiver in the league. Eli's the quarterback. Outside of those two, who's the one giant that is, is vital, that they can't lose if they're going to compete this year? Who's first, me or James? You're first, Jordan. I fell asleep. I'm kidding. No. <laughs> uh, the most indispensable player on this team. Outside of the go, two obvious. Outside of the two obvious. I'm I'm gonna go with two guys because I'm just gonna go with 
this being the position. They can't lose Dominique Rogers kamardi or Prince Amukamara because both are exceptional players, two of the better players on this team. And at that position, they're so short, they're so thin, they wouldn't be able to survive without either one of those guys for a long period of time. Uh, so for that reason, for the depth behind them being so unknown, so questionable, I think it's DRC or Prince, pick your poison. I'd probably go with Prince because I think he's the more complete of the two cornerbacks. So if I had to pick one, I'd go with Prince, but if DRC would be my 1B. Now let me say this too because you eliminated two guys. This is the We were talking about this the other day. The fact that you say who the most indispensable player is and if everyone was on the board, I think for the first time since Eli Manning was a rookie, the answer there is not Eli Manning. It's actually Odell Beckham because I'd rather have – if, if I, you lost Eli, I'd rather have Nassib and Beckham than the possibility of having Eli and losing Beckham than with the rest of the receivers. The, I, it's the way it is right now, I mean – He's just even more indispensable than Eli, which is hard to believe. Now, James, before you give your answer, Jordan, is that because you saw anything out of Nassib that tells you he's an NFL-caliber quarterback, or is, in your mind, Beckham just that good? He's that good in the drop-off, especially with Victor Cruz injured, from Beckham to the next guy, is so monumental. Like, I think Nassib could play a little bit, but, you know, and I'm, I'm not, you know, we're talking about... Beckham to him, I think it's just it's just a bigger gap in my in my opinion. A couple other people agree with me. I know I'm not. It's pretty close, but you can argue it. I think either way. And the fact that you can even argue it just shows you how good that this guy is. James, how about for you, most indispensable giant um, outside of Eli and Beckham? And, and James just made the case why you know Beckham is is obviously yeah. part of that mix and. Uh, he'd be the obvious answer, him and Eli. But outside of those two, most indispensable player on this team, they just they they need him. Well, I actually I was kind of hoping Jordan wouldn't take Prince and DRC because that's where I was going. So I'll go to offense, and um, I'm going to say Justin Pugh, and and here's why. Every time you know there there in the preseason there was some sort of injury on the line, the contingency plan basically involved Pugh, whether it's Pugh is going to be a left tackle or it, it, and they're going to Flowers couldn't play there, or I, I, he's also the emotional leader of, of the offensive line. So I think that. If they lose Justin Pugh, they are in a world of hurt. Yeah, well, I would say this. Justin Pugh, you look at their offensive line. The one guy who's supposed to be a given is Justin Pugh. So that's why, I mean, I, I, you yeah. can't – I, I wouldn't argue that because every other guy has question marks. Eric Flowers is a rookie. Weston Richburg has never played a snap at center in the NFL in a regular season game. Uh, their right guards, you know, Jeff Schwartz is coming off injury. And John Jerry, you know, we know what John Jerry is. And then Marshall Newhouse, big question mark on the right side. So the one guy, if you don't have that one given that they think they have, the other four are question marks. The one given, if you don't have that, then they're a huge world of trouble. I mean, they, they, that line that line could be disastrous if that's not a given. All right, guys, let's look at this division a little bit. The Giants will be in Dallas Sunday night against the Cowboys. We'll get into the matchup against the Cowboys in a few minutes. But just, as, just the division as a whole this year and where you think the Giants – stack up. I mean, it's been, I think, a decade now. I think since the 03-04 Eagles. That's the last time a team won this division in back-to-back years. So the Cowboys obviously are, are right up there and, and one of the maybe co-favorites to win this division. But history, at least recent history, has told us that a new champion usually wins the NFC. So I guess that should give Giants fans a little bit of hope that maybe, uh, maybe it breaks right and it becomes the Giants this year. But this division, Jordan... Your perspective, how do you think it stacks up? The Eagles made a ton of changes, a lot of excitement this preseason. 
Cowboys defending champs. The Redskins look like a dumpster fire. Uh, and then, you know, the Giants fit in somewhere. How do you stack up the NFCs? Yeah, I mean, I look at it as, like you said, the, the Cowboys and Eagles are 1A and 1B in my mind. The Giants behind them. And then the Redskins coming up the rear right now because they're just such a mess. I mean, they just switched quarterbacks two weeks before the season. Uh, that, that, that can't be a good thing when you, when you do that. So, uh, but talent-wise, look, you look at the Cowboys' offense. You look, you look at their offensive line. You look at their skill position players. I mean, running back, obviously, they're not as good. You look at the Eagles. I think the Eagles have a lot of talent as well. Now, they're not very deep. I think the Eagles are a couple injuries away from being in serious, serious trouble. But to me, the Eagles and the Cowboys are the top two teams talent-wise. The Giants need a lot to break in their favor. If that happens, uh, you know, then th they could be in that mix. But uh, until Victor Cruz comes back, until they find a safety that they know can play at a high level, until we see that JT Thomas is good, until we see they have a pass rush, until we, until we see they can stop the run, I mean, there's, there's still their offensive line see their offensive line pass block and protect Eli Manning until we see them have some sort of running game. It's just hard to put the Giants in the category with anyone who has potential to win 10 games. James, how about for you, the NFC East? When you look at this, um, is there a big gap between the Giants and the Cowboys and Eagles towards the top of that division? I think so. I mean, as Jordan said, you know, obviously both the Cowboys and the Eagles have question marks, but... Looking at it right now, I, I don't really see how, you know, I was kind of perusing the projections and predictions, you know, from around the country, and I have yet to find a single projection predi prediction that has the Giants anywhere but third place. Um, I do think that the, the fact that all the issues they've had in Washington kind of makes sure the Giants will be head of the Redskins when it's all said and done, but I, I just don't see them contending with the Eagles and the Cowboys in the division. The one thing that can change that is Sam Bradford's health. I yes. think that that could change it all. I mean, uh, that that's where the key lies for the Eagles. I think everybody kind of knows that. So, you know, if Sam Bradford doesn't stay healthy, which kind of most people kind of expect, mm -hmm. then it changes everything. And the, all of a sudden, the, the, you know, the Giants, people would definitely be picking the Giants to be in that conversation and probably above the Eagles in a lot of cases if, if that does pan out that way. Right, and depending on the timing of that injury, it could change things because I know the Giants – uh, play the Eagles starting in the middle of October, and then they finish the season with them. Well, I know the Eagles and Cowboys have a game against each other early. So, you know, Bradford's in there week two, and the Eagles beat the Cowboys. That hit the timing of a potential Bradford injury, if it happens, um, mm -hmm. could change things just for the whole division. How about that schedule, guys? You know, for years it feels like Giants fans has been one of the biggest things that's talked about is how difficult the Giants' schedule is. This happens to be... Uh, I guess just, you know, a coincidence every year, the way it plays out and the way some of the games are stacked. But it seems to be a yearly thing. As I look at the schedule now, I don't get that sense. And maybe it'll change. Maybe it's just my perception of it. But I think they only have two teams that made the playoffs last year on their schedule, non-division teams. Obviously, the Cowboys uh, made, the, made the playoffs. But New England and Carolina are those teams. They're both home games. So that, that's a little bit easier. Your perspective on the schedule, Jordan, I mean, it doesn't seem to be like that's going to be the thing that holds them back this year. Seems to be a pretty decent mix here of home, road, road trips, not really too many long road trips here um, at all. I think only one back-to-back -back on the road. Your thoughts on the schedule, Jordan? Yeah, I mean, the schedule, look, that's why this week one game is so big. If they can get through this week one game and pull out a, a victory in, on a Sunday night in a road game in their opener in Dallas, 
they have a pretty favorable schedule the next couple weeks. Uh, you got the Falcons at home. You got the Redskins at home. You know, the Giants could be three and zero if they could sneak a win out of Dallas. They could easily be two and one. And you know, and the schedule is not that much harder for the next few weeks after that too. Uh, so you know, Buffalo, I know on the road they're pretty decent, but that's not the hardest game they're going to face all year. It, it, it's not that bad at the beginning of the year. Overall, you know, the 49ers are one of those teams that they play early. They, they could be a complete mess. I mean, they've had their whole team retire on them this offseason. So there's potential for the Giants to get off to a decent start here. I think that's sort of the key. If they don't get off to a decent start with this schedule, then later on in the year it gets a little bit harder. They're going to be in a little trouble. I mean, if you look at it, I mean, two teams that everyone expects to be good or to end the season – what do you have? The uh, I think it's the Vikings and then the, the Eagles for the last two weeks of the season. Right. So I mean, it, it, it's go, it's not going to be easy later in the year. So if they got if they want to do any damage, they have to capitalize early. And James, before we hopped on and started recording this, you had mentioned uh, to me the one thing about the schedule that stood out to you was you know they're kind of pretty much home for a while here. Yeah, I mean, if, if you think about it, after they get back from Dallas uh, this weekend with the exception of, you know, a quick little jet up to uh, the Buffalo, you know, what's that, one, two, three, four, five, six, basically six games where they're, you know, they're not really leave, going that far. They're going to Buffalo once, they're going to Philly, they have four home games. Um, I think that stretch of the schedule is crucial because if I look at it, there's a lot of games that stand out to me as sort of we don't really know what they're going to end up being. Like Jordan said, San Francisco. Everyone seems to think that they're going to be a mess, but maybe they're not as bad as people think they are. Um, you know, on the same token, you know, Buffalo, Miami later in the year, Minnesota, Carolina, some people think these teams are playoff teams. Some people think they're going to be losing teams. You, know, you, you don't know how that's going to add up. You know, a game that stands out to me is um, when they go to New Orleans and play the Saints. I mean, that game could end up with both teams in the 40s given how both defenses have looked in the preseason. So I think it's a schedule that it's, it's manageable, but there are also games that could be a lot tougher than we think they are, or they could be a lot easier than we think they are. Yeah, as you were talking about that, James, and you mentioned um, some of the games, or I'm looking at it, and while I think we all agree it doesn't look like one of their tougher schedules in years, you were saying some of these teams we don't know yet. But the one thing we do know about the, co the division they play out of conference is the AFC East. Mm -hmm. There's some really good defensive lines in that division. And yeah. I, I think it just, as I stare at this schedule, it just hits home to me that, you know, whatever this offensive line is going to be this year, um, that's, it's really going to come to fruition because they play a lot of good defensive lines. The whole AFC East has a good defensive line. Uh, they'll play Carolina, who always gets after the quarterback. The Jets, Miami, obviously uh, in that AFC East. They play a lot of teams here that really can get after the quarterback. So, I mean, the offensive line, it's definitely going to be a story, but the schedule, I think, dictates that even more, James. Yeah, definitely. I mean, another game that stands out to me is when they go to Tampa, um, you know, so the, the three weeks prior to playing the Bucs, they have the Eagles, Cowboys, and the Saints. Then when you get after the week after the Bucs, they come home and play the Patriots. They can't go to Tampa against a good defense and a rookie quarterback and lose that game. If they lose that game, I, I don't see how they could be in contention. Yeah, I don't either. I mean, it, that's that's certainly one of those kind of trap games. You sit there and you watch, and um, you kind of say, if they lose that, that's it's going to take them off the rails there. So uh, as we look at the schedule and we look at this team and you project forward here, I mean, at what point in this season do you think that we're going to know about the Giants? At what, when you look at the schedule, do you have a game in there or a date where you say, 
this is where if they're in it, if they're still in it, I start saying maybe they're going to be better than I thought. Do you guys have a, a game that you kind of circle somewhere in the middle of the schedule that could be the kind of the make or break, James? I mean, it could be that Tampa one you just mentioned. I think uh, when they their home game against the Cowboys. So at that point, they'll play the Eagles and the Cowboys. Actually, they'll be playing the Cowboys on a short week because they'll play the Eagles the week before in Philly on Monday night. I think at that point, we'll be able to say this team's in it or this team is once again out of it. I think it's the week before that. At the Eagles, Monday night in Philadelphia, we're going to know by, this, by that point if this team is good enough to compete with the Cowboys and the Eagles because last year, it was sort of right around that time, they were 3-2. and two. They went into Philadelphia and just got hammered. Hammered. Got shut like out, I believe, right? They got shut out. I, forget, I, I don't remember exactly what the final score was. Victor Cruz blew you know, his knee, his, tore the patella tendon in his knee, and the season was over right there on the spot for Cruz and the Giants. You knew they weren't good enough. They were exponentially better, and you found out. I think it was a Sunday night game, not a Monday night game. But uh, it's the same thing. It's maybe like a week or so later this year. Actually, it might even correspond to the same week because the season's starting as late as humanly possible. So it might even be the same, what, one, two, three, four, five, week six. I think you're right because it was, yeah, three and two they were. I think you're yeah, right. I think it was exactly. week six, Jordan. Exactly. So it was week six. So, again, week six, they got on Monday Nighter on the road against the Eagles, and it's going to be a litmus test. And by then, we're going to know if this team is serious or not or if they still, uh, you know, need to – head back to the drawing board after the season and they just don't have enough talent or they're just uh, not good enough as a unit. We're going we're gonna to find out by week six, in my mind. And they have to get off to a strong start. I mean, Falcons, Redskins, Bills, Niners, that's just not a horrible run to start the season, especially with three of those four being at home. Right. As I look at it, and as you said that, Jordan, it could be deja vu all over again. I mean, if they win their home games, even if, even if they lost in Buffalo and in Dallas, but if they won their home games against Atlanta, Washington, and San Francisco, it could be the exact same thing. It could be a 3-2 and two Giants team going to Philadelphia for a primetime game, and, and your scenario could play out again, and it could be the same type of litmus test. Yeah, and if they're 3-2 and two at that point, you're still not completely sold that this is a really good team because, what, they beat the Falcons, Redskins, and, and 49ers, three teams that aren't supposed to be great. At home anyway, so you're still waffling. Okay, they beat the three good, the three mediocre teams, uh, at best mediocre, and they lost the pretty much the two good teams on the road because the Bills are supposed to be pretty good as long as Tyrod Taylor can do anything. Their defense is dynamite. So, uh, you know, you look at it and you say, okay, they're okay. It's the same as last year. We we're headed in the right direction, but then it'll be, hey, how do you really stack up? You know, week six, Eagles, division, on the road against a good team and night, you know, a good team at least can stay competitive to that. So, all right, guys, let's have a couple fun segments here. We're going to do a an over under segment. We'll come up prop bets for the Giants and players uh, for the 2015 season. Uh, then we'll get into breaking down this matchup week one in Dallas against the Cowboys, uh, and then we'll wrap up with a buy or sell segment on some of the big news stories around the team um, heading into this week one. So let's go to over unders here. A lot of talk during the offseason. Eli Manning said he wants to keep those interceptions under 10. He wants to be, you know, outside of double digits interceptions. So we'll start with James. We'll go to James and then Jordan, every single one of these. We'll, start, we'll go that way. Over, under, Eli Manning interceptions this year. Nine and a half, James. I will go over. I don't think Eli's necessarily going to throw a lot of picks. I think he threw the one pick in the preseason, which was the debacle with, with Cromartie against the Jets. 
but at the same time, I think the Giants are going to be coming from behind in, in a few games this year, and he might force some things. So I will go over, but not by a whole lot. Jordan? Um, give me this again. I over. got a text. I got distracted. I'm sorry. That's all right. Well, maybe you know, maybe the text can help you answer the question here. Over under Eli Manning interceptions this year, nine and a half. Oh, over. Come on. He never went under that. He's more, well, Eli's, you know, does what he does, but he still has Eli, uh, Eli Manning moments. He did in the end of the first half of a preseason game. It's going to happen. Oh, nine is a tough number. Yeah, you got to go. You got to go over there. Easy. He did 14. Uh, he did 14 last year. I think if he does 11 or 12, that's that's good. I think so too. It'll be a good year for Eli. All right, this one. I'm interested to see how you guys go on this one, James. Over under Tom Coughlin games as the head coach of the Giants left in his career. Over under 16 and a half. Wow, you put me on the spot there. Right um, there. Right there. I am going to say under. So this is it. I, yes, I, I yes, I, I will say I don't think this team's going to make the playoffs. I might jump the gun a little bit with our predictions, and I, I don't necessarily think he will be fired. But I, I think that the, the conventional wisdom is if they don't make the playoffs, that that he probably will move on. So I'll, I'll go under, but okay. it, it, it's close. Jordan over under sixteen and a half games left in Tom Coughlin's giant coaching career. I got to go under. I also don't think this is a playoff team. And at five straight years, and you know he'll be seventy years old next year. You just I, I don't I don't see that 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 just that happening. I know it might not be his fault, but uh, it's it'll be turn time to turn the page at that point with with five years in a row. So yeah, I think it's hard I, to argue I would that. Have to, I would have to, I would have to go under. It's hard to argue that. I mean, if you don't think the Giants are going to make the playoffs, that seems to be where. Almost everyone, I think, would lie. If they don't make it, and after they kind of said, you know, it's a make-or-break year, Mara got up there and talked about that, that would make that would probably make the most sense. All right, Odell Beckham Jr. last year had 91 catches in 12 games. Over-under, James, catches for this coming season, Odell Beckham Jr., 99-and-a-half. Over. He's getting over 100. I, I, you know, I think he's going to get targeted so many times. If he stays healthy, he'll get over that. Jordan? 99 and a half, huh? I mean, I'm a big Beckham supporter. That's a huge number. Just by the law of averages alone, I'm going to go with under. Uh, just because that's such a huge number. But uh, I think he will be in that 90 range somewhere. So so not really a sophomore slump, just a matter of circumstance more? Yeah, I mean, I want to say over, but James said over. So just to be different, I'm saying under. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so this week... That's, that's, um, pretty, that's pretty crappy reasoning, but uh, I'm going to stick with that. All right, so you guys, and, and we've been talking about it, and obviously Giants are talking about the fact that uh, J.C. Pierre-Paul met with the Giants, and, and this return here at some point feels imminent, whether it is, you know, while you're listening to this podcast, whether it is next week, at some point here it feels like Pierre-Paul's not far away from coming back to the Giants. With that in mind, you'd have to figure he has to get himself in game shape, over-under games played for Jason Pierre-Paul this season, James, 12-and-a-half. Under. So it takes him about about a month, you think, then? I, I think so. I mean, you, you, you remember, the Giants, they play Sunday night, then they have the Falcons at home on Sunday, then they play that Thursday night game. Right. There's not a lot of practice time there, so, you know, if, if, he, if they just don't want to rush him or it takes a little while, you know, you could get to week three, and he still might not have played. 
Yeah, I'm going to go under too. I mean, because even if he misses two games at the beginning of the year, anything else that pops up is going to put him uh, is going to put him under. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to have to go with under. I just can't see him being back anytime before week two, the absolute earliest. And if you once you miss week two, week three is so close. Like James said, that there's a strong possibility that could be three. All right, how about this one? The Giants' offensive line, you know, we've been talking about it all summer throughout almost every podcast that's come up here, every episode of the show, the offensive line and, you know, what it's going to look like and how it's going to probably change over the course of the year. So how about this one? Over, under, on how many different offensive line combinations start games for the Giants this year? Over, under, four and a half, James. I will say... That's a tough one. That's a good one, Joe. Um, I will say under. I'll say it's four. This, this, the hunch. Well, that'd be good then for them. I mean, obviously you want continuity on the line, and you know, when Will Beatty comes back, that's that's going to be one change. So I guess the smaller the number, the better. There. How about you, Jordan? Over well, under four know, and a half. That's not necessarily a change if they're actually playing well. Then I don't think there would be a change, to be honest with you. But. We, we, aside from that, I don't think I see that happening. I don't see their this. You know, it's a physical position. The line, you have two guys that have been struggling with injuries in the summer. And Jeff Schwartz, who's a foot injury that's lingered from last year. You have Weston Richburg, who had a knee injury. has missed some, you know, some practices here and there. That, to me, is a concern. I'm not sure if Marshall Newhouse would last 16 games as a starter. If he, you know, if I just, I have trouble seeing that happen as well. So, to me, there's going to be a bunch of movement on this line throughout the year, and I go over. All right, we'll wrap the over-under with this one. Because as I look at the schedule, we mentioned earlier, there's some winnable games early. The Falcons, the Redskins at home on a short week, the Niners. Uh, James talked about the trip to Tampa. Uh, New Orleans is a toss-up game. Uh, And then they play at the Redskins late in November, I think Thanksgiving weekend. So the question I have is, they play 11 games before the start of December, just the way the schedule works out. And there's five games uh, into December and then early January, they end with this, the Philadelphia Eagles. How many games back of a playoff berth? Like, how close are the Giants to a playoff spot when December opens? Over, under, one and a half games within a postseason position, James, when December ends. Basically, the question is, will the Giants go into December, and John Mara always likes to talk about meaningful December football. Will they have it when December starts? Over, under, one and a half within a playoff spot, December 6th. Let me do some quick math, all right? All right. Three times two divided by three to the square root of seven, James. I will say say that they, I will go over. So there are more than one and a half games out of a playoff spot when the December opens. Yes. Okay. Out of a playoff spot when December opens, I have to say under. I mean... You have to really stink to be out, out, completely out of the playoff spot by that time. Uh, if you're 500, you're within it. Uh, actually, yeah, so I'm going to say they, they're able to hang around long enough. Because they're going to start, it, in my opinion, they'll start the season pretty well. Uh, so by, it won't be till December. Look, this team the last two years has been mathematically eliminated before December. That is really, really hard to do in the NFL to be eliminated in December. There's only a 16-game season. There's a qu- that's a quarter of the season remaining, mm-hmm. and you're mathematically eliminated. That's very tough. You have to really stink to do that. You I do have. Gonna... Yeah, you know what? They they didn't. 
Every game both teams have played in the last month, last year in December, both of them were eliminated. It was brutal. So for the sake of my sanity, I'm going to say under. Yeah, that's why I asked the question because I, I thought about that exact thing. And, I mean, you're right. And this year it's even more than a quarter of the schedule just because the way it breaks down. They have five games from December the 6th to January the 3rd. So, yeah, I, I tend to think they'll be – they'll go into December – within one and a half games of a playoff spot, going to December with the under. Uh, and I think Giants fans would take that right now. Do you guys agree? I mean, based on the fact that you can't really find anyone picking them to be very good, I think I get the sense both of you think they're going to be average to a little below average. If they walk into December still you know, in it, I think Giants fans would take that. You agree, Jordan? Yeah, I think you have to at this point. There's so many question marks with this team. Uh you know, go into how many games they have December. Is it four or five? I think it might be it's five. five. It's the, they, they play yeah, five. One's in January, January, right? January yeah. Right. They have the Jets, yeah, so Dolphins, there'll be, Panthers. There'll be five games left. So there'll be right. 11 games gone. I mean, they, all they have to be is six and five, five and six. Uh, if they can't do that, then, you know, they, there's trouble. Then it's going to be another disaster. So I think they can do six and five or five and six. I really do. Especially with those first three home games. I mean, they really should be able to do five and six, no problem. Six and five is not something they should be doing. Yeah, I was going to say, I think they can do five and six. I just was more speaking to of that that point in the season. I don't know if, you know, it depends on where the wild card cut line is. The wild Is the wild card cut line four games or five games? That's what I think the big, the big question is with that, with that over-under. All right, guys. I'm going to have three buyer sells for you, and then we'll move on to preview this Cowboys matchup, and we'll get your final predictions for the 2015 Giants. Um, so this is the buyer sell here is going to be based on a lot of news the Giants have had the last couple days. I think more than than usual as we end the preseason, and really most teams just cutting down the 53-man roster. Not a lot of news for a lot of these teams. The Giants did have it though. Uh, so we'll go to this one. Buyer sell, Jordan. You had the story. Over the weekend, Cam Chancellor and the Giants having some interest. Buy or sell, and this is not just the Giants, but just in general. Uh, the Cam Chancellor rumors you heard, and then just in general, do you think a player like that will be moved, or is this just more, um, you know, kind of due diligence because he still hasn't, as far as this podcast being taped on Monday, Cam Chancellor still not showing up to the Seahawks. So buy. No, I think I think it's I think it's teams having interest in Cam Chancellor. This is a great player who's you know sitting out and not playing at all. Right. So the interest is on the the buyers' part, not the sellers. The sellers don't have any uh, motivation to sell. I mean, if he wants to get paid this year, he's going to come in and play. And he has three years left. That team is trying to win a Super Bowl. You know, getting draft picks does not help them win a Super Bowl this year. I mean, this is one of the best teams in the league. So. Sell anybody, and, and and that includes the Giants getting Cam Chancellor. I just don't see what their motivation would be to to trade him unless the an offer comes in is just so ridiculously off the table, which is why I said you know it would have to be like a first round pick or a first round pick in Landon Collins or something of the sort in order for them to even blink. James, we'll go to you for the second one. Buy or sell Brad Wing being an upgrade over Steve Weatherford. And the Giants moved on from Steve Weatherford, longtime punter last week. They brought a new one in in a trade from the Steelers. Um, did you, were you, first of all, were you surprised by the move? And then do you think it's going to work out for the Giants uh, moving on from Steve Weatherford? So, so by the new punter being an upgrade, James. Um, surprised by the move? I, I wouldn't say surprised. And I was a little bit, you know, I, I think that when we got to, I guess, maybe the, the Jets preseason game, 
and Coughlin made the comments he made about the punting competition. I thought the writing was on the wall a little bit. I mean, obviously, I think any time that a team parts ways with a, a guy who's so beloved, like Weatherford is, in their fan base, um, I think it's always a little bit of surprise. But, you know, I think it was something that maybe was you could have seen coming in hindsight. Um, I do think Wing will be an upgrade. I mean, he's younger, and, and you know, Coughlin's big thing is directional punting. And, uh, you know, they think, they feel that he's better than that, and, and, if he, and he will be, or if he won't, look, go get somebody else. That's kind of the, the luxury they're afforded now by having a punter who's only making half a million dollars. Right, they could be more flexible there. And you mentioned, um, you know, we'll find out, and they can move on, and, and we'll start finding out about this team Sunday night in Dallas. So let's preview this game. Let's get your thoughts on this game, Sunday night against the Cowboys. Uh, for the last game of Sunday, two Monday night games, but we'll watch a lot of football before this one kicks off. You guys will be in there, down there in Dallas. Uh, your feeling on the game and the key to it, the, the one thing that jumps off to me just based on their matchups last year and the fact that, you know, Jason Pierre-Paul is not going to be out there this Sunday night. I'd be shocked if he is. Um, the Giants last year really could not get through that Cowboy offensive line, and it just stands out to me that drive Romo had in the Beckham catch game the game at home in November where Romo had about two minutes per drop back towards the end of that game to move the football down the field. So that's where I'm looking up front. Can the Giants do anything against the Cowboy offensive line? Uh, Jordan, your keys to the game, your thoughts on this first game of the year? My thoughts are that the Giants offense is going to have to play very well. I can't see this defense coming together so quickly. Giants are going to need 30 points. They're going to have to run the ball. I think that's going to be the key to this game. How well can this new offensive line overpower a Dallas defense that really isn't that good and that talented in my opinion. So, uh, you know, they need to run the ball and obviously, you know, the passing game is, is a big part of what this team does, but if they can control it with their offense, put a lot of points on the board, that's where the Giants can have a good opening week in Dallas. James, your keys, Sunday night football in Dallas, Jerry's world, Giants, Cowboys, what are you thinking? I, I agree with Jordan. I think they got to run the football. Um, the defense has to hold up, and I think the offense has to protect the football. You know, if they turn the ball over two, three times, they have no chance of winning this game. Uh, it's going to be an electric atmosphere. You know, some of the guys with the Giants have already talked about that. So they got to protect the football, and, and I think they, Jordan's right. They got to score 30 points, and, and hope that's enough. All right, final predictions here. I, I get a sense from both of you where you're going to go with this, but uh, we'll give it to the audience right now. We'll start with James and then go to Jordan. On the record, 2015 New York Giants. How does it go, James? I think they are 7-7 seven and seven going into uh, Minneapolis in week, week 16. Um, I think that game ends up basically being a playoff game. The winner is going to maybe wrap up a wild card berth. The loser's done. Um, I think the Vikings probably just have a little bit too much on offense, um, and I think they, you know, I think their final record really, in my opinion, hinges on what the Eagles have to play for in Week 17. Um, I tend to think that they'll be playing potentially for a home field advantage in the NFC, so I will go with the Giants uh, dropping their final two to end at seven and nine. Jordan. Hey, no drama here when I'm going with 7-9 and nine as well. I just don't see this being a winning team. Uh, overall, there's too many question marks in my mind. Uh, too much uh, just uncertainty, especially with that defensive side of the ball. If Spags can get them together, I still don't even think it'll come until, like, you know, several, three, four 
five weeks into the season. So there's there's a lot of uh, too, just too much uncertainty on my part for me to pick this team. I look, I love Odell Beckham. I think he's one of the best. He's going to be one of the best players in the league. I, I think he's going to be a 1,500-yard receiver around that 190 some 9,500 catches that we said before. So you know, the, the, this that offense is going to do some damage. Uh, the question is, are they good enough around them? They should be improved on special teams. They should be a little improved on defense at a default. That's why I'm going to seven and nine possibility. I was going to go eight and eight, but JPP, that's not happening anytime soon. So, uh, you know, that's just they just don't have enough talent on defense for this to be a really good team. All right, I'll be the one that goes out on a limb, but I'm going to go exactly with James's scenario. But I'll give them one three more. wins. Oh my God, Joe, come on! And I, well, I have to change it up a little bit. I'm, no, I, I actually, <laughs> I actually see it very similar to James, except I have him at eight and six going into that game in Minnesota. So I, I think they have a chance there. But look, if they lose to Minnesota and Philadelphia, like James mentioned, it could be eight and eight, and it could be you know basically the same thing as seven and nine if they do well. Uh, maybe they surprise and they get a postseason berth. But I think we're all on the same page that this is. Not a great football team, and they need uh, they need some breaks here, and, and they need to surprise because I don't think anyone out there listening probably could sit there realistically and tell you this is a great Giants team. It's it's one that uh, needs a lot of things to go their way. I think all three of us would agree on that. Definitely. Yeah, sounds good, Joe. I mean, we're all on board. That means they're all, that means they're going to go 12 and four, win the division. Giants fans, you're in good shape. Right, the kiss of death here on this podcast. All right, everyone, uh, we appreciate listening. Before we go. I just want to offer condolences to the Giants family. Uh, Tyler Sash, 27 years old. He was a part of the, the uh, 2011 team, the Super Bowl team, Super Bowl 46. Uh, right before the taping of this podcast, uh, word came down he passed away at the age of 27. Um, he was a safety for a few years for the Giants, and obviously uh, some terrible news there. So Talk is Cheap offers our condolences. We appreciate you listening. Make sure to follow us on Twitter and, of course, iTunes and Stitcher. We will be back next week for Episode 23. And we'll be actually breaking down a regular season game, the Giants and the Cowboys. Um, it'll happen on Sunday night, and we'll be here next week to talk about it. For James, for Jordan, I'm Joe. Thank you for listening to Talk is Cheap, our New York Giants podcast on NJ.com. <laughs>